Welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast, presented by Lifters League, bringing real science to the strength community. Introducing your host, Gus Cook, head powerlifting coach of Lifters League, strength athlete, physicist, educator, and entrepreneur. Welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast. This is Gus Cook, head powerlifting coach of Lifters League, and today we have hosts. Yeah, Leone here. How you going, guys? And Braden, hello. Um, it's been a while since we've done a podcast. It's been very busy here, trying to find some time to get everyone, get the team together to do a podcast. And we've been, I've been working on some content for today. Um, so today we're going to talk about sleep. And I think we're going to break this up into two parts. Part one, we're going to talk about, um, probably like the risk, risks and benefits risks not getting sleep benefits of sleeping um, and look and, and look into a bit about sleep apnea um, and then in part two which we'll probably do hopefully next week we'll talk about uh, sleep hygiene ways to improve your sleep and um, treatments for sleep apnea um, okay cool so let's start with a couple of risks. I mean, even if we start with, um, actually we've had quite a few people, we've been working a lot more with sleep with our guys and noticed some, some significant effects. Um, I think of one of my examples, like there was, uh, actually it was quite significant. One of my clients who just sees me for nutrition and when they see me for nutrition, I treat a lot and look at, look into a lot more than just what they're eating because everything about their entire lifestyle matters on how well do their nutrition plans going to work. And a big one was sleep. She was only getting six hours of six hours of sleep and interrupted sleep and had to use melatonin every night. Um, now her goal was to lose weight. Simple goal was just from um, she's about ninety kilos. Wanted to at least get down to eighty and you know, with our approach, we'd like to be quite uh, holistic with our approaches. We don't want to be reactive to something. We want to try and solve a problem holistically. So, you know, generally, add on a you know, su- sufficient amount of calories, which should have, you know, should have still produced a quite a significant result, but wasn't. So we, I started to investigate further, and we looked at, end up coming down to sleep. And we focus a lot on sleep hygiene, things that we can do to improve basically her ritual, her routine for sleeping. Um, and within about two months, over a two month period, consistently increasing calories over that period of time, um, we went from, for, for about a month, just maintaining or slowly gaining weight to then all of a sudden getting a consistent rapid drop weekly from 90 kilos to 83 or 82 kilos. Um, and this strongly correlated with her um, uh, uh, change in sleep habits or uh, sleep patterns. Um, do you guys have any significant? Yeah, I've had one recently, a gentleman that started with me a, a few months, a while ago now. Um, and when he first started with me, he, he was starting back up after having a lower back injury. Um, so originally we got 
a you know an increase in performance. We got an increase in in, in uh, a positive body composition change. But then we sort of started hitting little walls. We could never seem to get past this point where either you know he he um, would have an injury, he would get sick, um, he couldn't complete training sessions, um, programs where you know like you build him up to a certain stage and then you know with the ability that he should have been able to jump to the next level of intensity or next level of volume and then we could never seem to get past that point. Um, we looked at we looked at training intensity so we did sessions together we looked at um, compliancy with food we trialed you know different changes in calories we tried a few different things but never actually got the response that we we're after um, and over time He's just gone up and down between this band of never any worse than where he was, but never any, never really any better either. Um, and it wasn't only just recently that we sort of looked further into things. We even got blood work and all that sort of stuff done. There was a few things there that highlighted, and we started applying. Yeah, we did all that. Yeah, low testosterone. So we started looking at um, nutritional things that we could do to help. Um, but the real crux of it was when he went and actually got a sleep study done just recently. He found out that he has um, severe obstruction, is it obstruction apnea. So that's where the, the muscles in the throat actually relax at night and, and stops him breathing. Um, so that once he mentioned that, it's like everything just made sense because prior to that, the results were like, you would think he, like he is a junior lifter, um, which means like his total would be probably what? Um, we've got probably like a, a predicted 160 dead, like a just over 100 kilo squat and, and maybe a 100 kilo bench for, for a 100 kilo gentleman. Um, but his response was like he was a fast twitch elite powerlifter um, who could only handle very small volumes and, and you know, only, you know, if you go to higher intensity, it's almost like I was, I was breaking him. Um, his fatigue was very, very low. He, we were only training three days a week yet that was that was difficult um, and we just couldn't shift body fat he was gaining weight all these little things and, and none of it added up with all the things we were applying nothing made sense but it wasn't until the sleep study came in and it showed that he just from however long could have been for very well, could have been since I've known him um, he's had this condition and it's just never been picked up um, so now he's trialing a, a CPAP machine for the next two weeks to see if, if that helps improve his ability to sleep and then what we're hoping to see is then the what the feedback we get from him in terms of energy level in terms of how he wakes up yeah um what his body does does he drop weight does he now can he can he lose fat can he build muscle can he what does his testosterone levels increase all these things that you know before were weren't happening the on the testosterone thing so apparently we've got a couple of list of things here on the risk that um Anyone who who averages five to six hours of sleep per night will age their testosterone production by a decade. So, if you're forty and you sleep and you're only sleeping, you know, fifty, sixty hours in, or you're thirty. If you're thirty, you're only sleeping about six hours a night. You'll have a testosterone level of someone who's in their forties. Um, another another interesting fact is that. Um, is recorded that firefighters have the uh, lowest testosterone 
uh, levels record ever recorded simply because they have one of the worst sleep patterns uh, in the world and you wouldn't think that you know um, that that type of population would have low testosterone have, will have the lowest testosterone but they do um, so I, I think I've been a uh, big contribution I, I listened to a lot of I read and listened to a lot of what uh, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker is a uh, sleep scientist and um, he says a, there's some pretty strong correlations with um, uh, Alzheimer's, diabetes, depression, anxiety, uh, obesity um, and show that there's a quite a, quite a strong uh, correlation um, with the decrease in average average sleep times of the population so the Western world are getting uh, cutting out more and more sleep um, because we're it seems to be the one thing that people are happier to sacrifice um, so in it's due to a lot of the you know mindset of the Western world where you know actually a lot of the people who had um, uh, uh, who kind of like those business those business guys who and I, I listen to a lot of these guys and yeah and I get a lot of my information and get a lot of help and I look at them as my mentors a lot of these um, business mentors I look up to talk about you know you can sleep when you die um, or you, you know, you're awake for you should be awake for 18 hours and only sleep you know, six hours a night and the difference, the problem, the problem with that is, is that there's a direct correlation with how your life expectancy and how much you sleep. And a lot of these people now who are in their 60s and 70s who preached that kind of uh, philosophy, um, a huge majority of them have uh, Alzheimer's. Um, and it's because we don't get enough sleep. Um, some other risks. I mean, we do we do a lot of work with shift workers. Have a big uh, shift workers are more likely to um, become diabetic or obese. And we've worked with quite a few uh, shift workers. So, what was your example with? Um, yep, I've got a lady who is a nurse. She's a shift worker, and she's done it for thirty plus years. Loves her job, and it's never going to change or, or, or whatever but um, she came to me originally again like us had a client for nutrition she came to me with nutrition with the goal of wanting to lose weight um, there's a history of um, like diabetes a history of hypertension there's a history of you know diseases in her family with morbid obesity and all those sort of things she had she's got high you know uh, it's very prominent for her and she's very aware that I need to be on top of these things otherwise I don't want to end up in that in that position um, when she came to me she's always been you know through uh, GPs and stuff like that they've reinforced to her more about doing more and you know stop eating essentially um, she got a sleeve because of that so it physically stopped her from being able to get food in yet she's still she lost obviously weight from the first part when she put the sleeve in but now over the last few years she's putting weight back on again and she has no understanding as to why 
Um, and we are working with nutrition, but her actual biggest issue here, the reason why nothing will ever go forward is because her sleep at the moment is, is very, very poor. Um, she's one of these people that is lucky to get four to five hours of sleep on a daily basis. Um, she sometimes has no trouble going to sleep, but she can't stay asleep and she'll wake up within, you know, two, three hours at the most and then she's up and her brain's on and she's already in go mode and she finds it very, very hard to get back to sleep. So it's very broken sleep. Um, and this has anything to do with the circadian rhythm as well. Yeah. I mean, shift working, yeah. you're not going to, yeah, every four days is it, she's changing? Yeah, every four days her, she has three cycles it goes through and it changes. So then, you know, um, optimally our circadian rhythm works best once we go to bed before 11 o'clock. We do most of our um, physical repair between, you know, between 10, 11 and 1 and 2 and most of our psychological repair after that. And that's kind of where our natural circadian rhythm works and it works with the movements of um, day and night. And if we're trying to sleep, if we're shifted to a night shift and working in a day shift, um, every environmental response that we get coming from sun, light, air, warmth, are all signals to the body that uh, either tell us that we need to be awake or need to be asleep. Um, and contribute to how, or how entire hormones from um, cortisol, testosterone, uh, adrenaline, noradrenaline and all our neurotransmitters which um, uh, are all upregulated during sleep and uh, having this constant change is that her body is never in a precise It's never rhythm. really a rest, and it's not only that, it doesn't even get a chance to ever be in a a resting or restorative phase per se. Mm. It's always on, going, working. So you said she got her first eight hours. Yeah, she, only, she emailed me on Monday and it literally was like, wow, I cannot believe this and thank you. And it was just a picture of her sleep app telling her she actually got eight hours of sleep and that would be the first time in a very, very, very long time. And we're hoping to make this more of a pattern, so. So for her, we've had to develop a, a sleep, a very disciplined sleep program, basically. We're working on that, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So we're implementing. One thing for her, we were trying to decide whether it was an actual sleep apnea or whether it was more so the case of was it just her lifestyle. And we're sort of leaning at the moment more looking at its lifestyle. Her job is very stressful. She's always on, high demand. So she has a very hard time actually switching off, resting, like, like switching off and preparing herself to sleep. She's on when she goes, she's literally just wired all the time. Um, so we've looked at more so um, like meditation techniques, mindfulness techniques, um, actually planning wind down time in her day. So that's where away from computers and, and TVs and lights and all sort of type of stuff and actually putting herself in, in darker de darkened places where there's less noise, all those sort of things, and that literally getting her body to learn, it's time to actually start to come down so I can go to sleep. And we've also implemented the melatonin to help with the circadian rhythm um, resetting. So that's sort of what we've started with. Those will be a couple of things that we'll talk about in the next in the next episode where some of the some of the tools we use to get that to, um, to make that happen. Um, okay. Let's go into some symptoms of sleep deprivation. So there's a couple, quite a few things here. Um, 
So sleep deprivation will cause uh, irrita irritability, cognitive impair, memory loss, severe yawning, um, high, uh, hallucinations, symptoms similar to ADHD, impaired immune system, type 2 diabetes, increased HIV, um, increase of risk of heart disease, increased risk of heart attack, decrease uh, reaction time and accuracy, tremors, uh, aches. Those are your major, those are, those, are, those are the major things I've listed here. I have a bit of experience with sleep deprivation. Um, no, so this was back in 2007 when I was in the military and um, on a defensive on a defensive exercise we were setting up setting up um, uh, a defense around a, around a hill and had to uh, dig stage uh, stage three trenches and we weren't allowed to go to sleep until stage one was complete which took three days and so we had three days no sleep until these trenches were done at the same time we had to do um, observation posts, set up uh, um, for patrols, um, perimeter checks, and and also maintain the defensive operation um, as there were at the time for training enemy parties. So, and in some, and we were severely punished if we would sleep. And it's pretty hard because there are a few times where uh, you dig, you dig in a, you dig a hole, or you you'll Dig it. I remember one time I dug with my trenching tool, and it got stuck into a rock. And then I leant on the on the shovel and fell asleep standing up. And um, and this just kept happening with everyone. Any moment you get a chance, you just go through hundreds of micro sleeps, and that seems to be the one thing that keeps you uh, keeps you alive. But if you were ever caught sleeping, they ran this scenario where they would uh, they'll let off a couple of rounds and say, your mate's dead, you've got to carry him to the top of the hill. So you'll, you'll carry this guy, the heaviest guy in the platoon, up the top of the hill and tell you to dig a grave, put him in the grave, and then go back, and that will take two hours. Well, suddenly you're doing this under extreme exhaustion, extreme work. And I remember my first week of doing that, I lost 16 kilos. And also you start to quite, you get... I don't, know, I don't know how to put it, but you get, you start thinking people are after you. So when you're out watching, paranoid. you get paranoid. Yeah, you get very paranoid. Especially. But you kind of have almost, so it's a, you're in a, but you're also in a condition where you have to kind of always constantly be alert and paranoid that someone is going to attack you anyway because that's your job. And so it just kind of compounds, it makes it worse. But one thing it does do really well is that it makes you pretty tough at handling very stressful situations and you get very good at it. Um, okay, other other risks. So, okay, let's go into benefits for athletes. Now, I found these stats. Actually, one thing with um, um, benefits for athletes is skill learning. So, if you were to, they did a uh, study with them. Um, um, actually, they've, actually, they've done on humans and, and mouses. But what you can hear is that if you, they can hear it specifically on mouse because they can do it very, con very controlled. But what happens when you send a mice through a maze? 
and you will listen to the patterns in the brain that have very specific beat um, and were to then also measure their brain while they sleep the mouse will have the exact same patterns in the brain but will happen 20 times faster and this is the same thing when it comes to learning with athletes is that all our skill learning and um, motor pattern recruitment and learning when it even comes to any sport including what we do with weight training um, what weight training is skill learning that we're going to learn what we learn mostly when we're asleep and it not only enhances it not only just um not only learn this thing, but it enhances it um, massively and this goes the same for many other things where problem solving when people say sleep on a problem is that you literally when you sleep you actually your brain will unconsciously start to think of this problem or go through or solve try to solve this problem or make this problem seem a lot clearer and this goes is, is, is this, this is for many reasons and a lot of it's to do with the psychological repair and it's thought that it's still really unknown why we sleep but it's very important for our psychology so the brain does a lot of work in a day to maintain us as humans and has a lot of produces a lot of byproducts one of them being uh, adenosine and the only way that this clears out and upregulates all our neurotransmitters, the transmitters that make us feel happy, good and sane, um, are repaired at night. Now, if we don't sleep, we don't have a repair of these or upregulation of these neurotransmitters, you become more and more psychopathic. You'll become more irritated. You'll become more angry. You'll become more depressed, anxious, and that will compound more and more and more. Um, Alright, so with the athlete, the family stats, I think it's important to mention there too, so it's the brain that goes through your restorative phase, the, the, the body also yes. does a similar process to get rid of toxins and inflammation and so it starts. It always starts with a yeah, physiological repair, then goes into a psychological repair. Don't find this. The stats. And here we go. So sleep and performance. So there was a study done on uh, NBA player performance. So where they got more than eight hours sleep versus less than eight hours sleep. So the group where they had more than eight hours sleep. Uh, had a 12% increase uh, in uh, minutes played, had a 29% increase in points per minute, had a 2% increase in three-point percentage, um, and had a 9% increase in um, free throw percentages. Then there was a, there's a downward arrow that says plus 37% increase in Turnover, so they'll probably say it's probably meant to be decrease, and then a uh, 45% de decrease in um, fouls committed. Actually, I remember just that just reminds me of another interesting fact where 
um, they said there was this, this is the, the importance of sleep where there's a worldwide um, a worldwide uh, experiment that happens every year to three four billion people which is called daylight savings and the one hour the one hour difference in sleep when we go out of uh, when we lose that one hour there was a 23 so 23% increase in car accidents and um, a similar percentage increase in heart attacks and then on the exact same time in uh, when daylight savings finishes we gain one hour there's actually exactly another 23% decrease in car accidents um, and 20 something percent decrease in heart attacks in those one days per year makes it very very significant significant difference she very knew how they you said you were looking at a study for this cardio one yeah yeah there's a study that I read that was basically they had two study groups and one group was sleeping eight hours one group was sleeping seven hours and getting up and walking for an hour and they basically measured total fat loss over the different groups and the group that slept eight hours actually lost more fat than people who got up and walked for an hour even though they were doing more exercise they were sleeping less but that was pretty eye-opening so if you're getting up an hour early to go for your morning cardio walk to try and lose fat you better off sleeping yeah. an extra sleep for an hour yeah. well depending depends <laughs> depends if you're sleep deprived it's always going to take precedence mm. it's probably a better model of the story I'd probably sleep, I'd sleep probably, eight hours into your cardio I probably, probably would never get people to, I would probably get people to do their cardio at another time if it would that wouldn't if affect it, this if it, if it affected this yeah, basically sleep this, is superior to yes. cardio yeah. yeah is the point if they some people do give it up. up some people do get up and go for a walk but they are still getting there if they get eight hours sleep, sleep as well. yeah, yes. sleep. you wouldn't give up. You no. wouldn't give up your eight hours. If it became a choice, yes. So those people do get really early to go to the gym. Or, you know. So I found these stats on um, sleep and crashes, car crashes. So anyone who do got they, do they include genders in this study as well? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there was a it was on a log scale here so there was a 11 if you got less than actually if you had 6 to 7 hours sleep there was an increase so that's already a so it's an hour loss so 6 to 7 hours sleep there was a 1.3% increase in car accidents if you got 4 to 6 hours sleep there's a 1.9% increase if you got a 4 to 5 hours sleep there was a 4.3% or 3 no sorry 3.4.3 times so sorry let's start it again so six to seven hours sleep you're um, basically 130 um, percent increase so times it by 1.3 it's got a log scale here so I'm reading right so five to six hours 190 uh, percent four to five hours 430 percent increase uh, less than four hours um, 1100 1150 increase. So over 10 so times more likely to be in a car accident. Yeah, that's what she was touching on all those things you're saying for the cognitive function, reaction time. Mm. Yep. Um, so sleep more, but you better at playing Fortnite. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing right now. I don't know if that's the wrong I want to tell Dan about this. <laughs> tell Michael Cowan. <laughs> 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 
sleep road, <laughs> and then we play. <laughs> Where's the other one here? So back now, 23%, um, 23 times more likely to have a heart attack if you have sleep apnea, and three times more likely to develop diabetes. I think a good one to touch on here too is that mindset that it's okay during the week if I shortcut my sleep because on the weekend I'll just make up for it. I think yeah. it's important to note that one day sleep is enough to start the effects of this occurring. Yeah, you can't, there's no such thing as catch sleep, up. as catch up sleep. sleep <laughs> you will sleep more because you do, you would require it, but it, you can't put sleep in the bank. You will get the negative effects from one day, one day of not um, of not sleeping properly. I think my um, I think I've got a pretty good uh, attunement to my body and, and sensitive to little variations and things. And I know f for a fact that it only takes one night where I don't get a full hour of sleep. So say I, I go to bed at twelve and I'm waking up at six, I only get six hours of sleep. I know the next day already concentration is already impaired my whole mood is down so i'll feel almost just lethargic flat um unengaged with everything um i find my digestion system is slow it feels sluggish um bloated for no unexplained reason my diet hasn't changed my fluid water intake hasn't changed it's not that time of the month there's no variable that explains it other than mm, i just didn't yeah, get so enough sleep there was the um talk we had to talk before about the bloating you know clearing out toxins in the body, brain, liver, and a lot of the, the uh, information build up as a response to, all this has an inflammation, all these toxins have an inflammation response, which only get clear out, will only clear, get cleared out in sleep. And then the hunger, hunger yeah. problem, or the yes, stomach yeah. problem, is that? Gorillas. That's a huge correct, change yeah. too. So you actually have an increase, increase in ghrelin. So ghrelin is the hormone to stimulate hunger and leptin decreases which is uh, a hormone that helps you make you feel satisfied or full. Now they massively change in different directions and not only that you actually start to crave more fattier and sweeter high salt foods. Um, so this is why we start to want to crave more junk food if we haven't had enough had enough sleep. But you're not out drinking what you wake up and do? Get the Maccas. Either way. <laughs> Found some other, just some interesting facts. Um, if you're in a different location, like if you're sleeping at a hotel or sleeping uh, somewhere else, or even at a, um, a non any non-familiar environment, we have a threat detection response where half our brain will only shut down about fifty percent. And will stay half awake to anything to, to um, just in case you know, something happens. And it happens if you're in an unfamiliar environment. And we don't do this as well as some of our ancestors would have. I'm going to spa as amphibian, where fish can uh, actually shut one half of the brain down to sleep and then switch sides, and the other half of the brain sleeps while the other half stays awake. Again, it's just a, a threat detection. Um, mechanism and we still have it we still have it today um, quality is more important than quantity um, now 
this is huge with some of the some of my heavier athletes where some of them may be still getting nine ten hours sleep but just still aren't feeling refreshed now a good sign to know that if you're not getting quality sleep is knowing how a person wakes up if you wake up groggy if you wake up not refreshed it's a sign of two things other it's not enough sleep so because some people do require more sleep than eight hours most athletes require between nine around nine or ten hours if they're hard training i know if i'm training pretty hard to prep i need nine or ten hours i can feel significant difference at the moment i'm not training that hard and eight hours is plenty for me um, i start waking up naturally anyway um but that's one sign is um if you're groggy so you know the quantity is is probably fine because this this lifter is getting uh, nine to ten hours sleep but their quality is poor so uh, we're still investigating that, we're still looking at getting that, we're still waiting for sleep study, for a sleep study, and then we'll investigate further from there. Um, but you can't just, and even for myself, I've been measuring my sleep for a very long time, and it color codes the month on like a calendar for me. So I'm on a CPAP machine, and before I was on it, if you see the month before, It'll tell you, how, it doesn't just measure your sleep, it measures the quality sleep. So it, it happens on my Apple Watch, so it detects movement, it listens to me. It listens to obstructed um, sleeping uh, sleeping habits or like snoring. And um, it, it records how much good sleep I get. I was only getting about 50% of my sleep uh, or less as quality sleep. So I'll sleep eight hours, but I'll probably get between two and four hours of quality sleep. And so it'll come up as red on that day or yellow if it's about uh, six to seven and eight eight hours is green now I still sleep the exact same amount but this entire month of having the machine it's been green I haven't had a single color single yellow or red and when you look at the month before it's like green green yellow red green yellow red green yellow red there there is no significant pattern whatsoever it's just a lot of um, danger colors um, um, sedatives uh, is not isn't sleep. It's uh, so things like alcohol. You're passing out. You're not. You're not having sleep, and so you will be in a form of sleep deprivation. Even if you do get eight hours sleep, as long as alcohol is in your system, you're not really sleeping. You're sedated. Um, which is why a lot of and one part of the reason why the next day feels so shit. Um, and that goes for any other sleep drugs as well. You know, uh, your body, I've seen, from what I've seen, even with some of the lifters I'm uh, working with that, who are sedated, have to be sedated every night due to some um, um, other things from that's been prescribed from their doctors. They still show symptoms of people who aren't getting good sleep. They say, oh yeah, my sleep's fine, I get good sleep. It's like, you're really not, because their sleep hygiene and the way they feel in the morning and all this stuff is still exactly the same as as someone who doesn't get good sleep. It does help. I had, I had to be on um, sedatives for a while. Um, and it, it, feel, it does feel like you get good sleep, but you still have a lot of the symptoms. Um, actually, there was another interesting one where sleep deprivation was pushed to the... It gets pushed to the limit by... Um, ultra marathon runners so um, this 
apparently there's one ultra marathon runner um, and these guys run from coast to coast so these these guys are doing hundreds of kilometers um, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers which will take many many days and so if you sleep you're losing um, and these guys would train themselves to have one minute sleep so they'll go to sleep for one minute and um, they was, say they were so delirious while they were asleep that they had massive hallucinations within, even within that one minute. And then, forced when when they were told to get wake, for them to wake up after one minute, um, said it was first of all it was enough to get back going, but it said it made a huge relief in that one minute. But they became heavily heavily delirious and um, hallucinated a lot. Um, because they would live on, but this chick that did it um, won the ultra marathon by 10 hours ahead of anyone else. Um, that's because she had like no sleep. Actually, she thought she thought there was a dragon chasing her the whole way. <laughs> she just kept going. So did it. Actually, there was a cool study with the um, cool study done by the Navy SEALs. They tried to work out what the least amount of sleep a person can have to live before they die and they worked out you can get as little as four hours sleep in a week before you die so at the end of their training before uh, or their um, during their selection phase every military has it every, they said anyone's it the ones that didn't make it died that's how they found out <laughs> um, they uh, happens in every military so every every time I've done when I went through recruit training in school of infantry and also the SAS have it and all special forces around the world they do they do a one week it was kind of a one week try and break try and fucking break you and their goal is to break you they do whatever it takes to break you um, and that was one of the things I had to do was the sleep deprivation like it started with three days no sleep and it was still another week of torture absolute torture and even then, like, you know, at the end of the seven days, I got like four hours sleep. I had to do a written exam. This one made me do a written exam. I don't know how, how well you can still think. Um, how do you think I'd go? No, but they, um, I, 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 got, I, got, I got more than four hours, but we we're still very sleep, sleep deprived. Um, I got one hour after three nights, and then I think we probably totaled about, I think after about, Four nights, four or five nights, probably got six, four to six hours sleep. Um, but I think we only got three nights of actual any time sleep over a week. Um, but the um, Navy SEALs, yeah, then that last week they pushed them to only have four hours sleep, so very strategic sleep. So where they'll sleep 30 minutes and then wake them up, go for 20 hours, the end of my get, then I get one hour, then I'll wake them up, go for another 20 hours. And it's non-stop work. It's absolutely try to break you. There's no sitting. There's no eating. Hell, like even um, I know um, in, in the SAS, they don't get fed until like, day two or day three, and they get fed fish heads. You're not selling it for me. Unfortunately, I will not be signing up. No, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just, inter <laughs> just, just, inter just interesting. You say yeah. fed fish heads. <laughs> yeah, I've also got lots of. No, that wasn't. That wasn't. That wasn't one of the. Um, Special forces do that. We still had we had rations. Um, um, what are some other ones? Thanks, Apparently, 
<laughs> one person didn't sleep for eight hours or eight days sorry um, and he suffered from huge paranoia to the point where he thought like the secret service was after him and people were trying to kill him and just went um, so I think he was a magician trying to stay away for eight days and was heavily he, he went to some experts to see um, the health problems that may come from it or the problems that may come from it and they advised him not to do it and obviously he was going to do it so then the scientists asked him can we study you <laughs> Um, Wasn't there, isn't this a method of torture as well back in the day? Keep people awake for days on end? I'm sure I read somewhere they used to it was like a method of torture. Just because like it did, it made you absolutely go crazy. Well, I mean, in some of the, um, uh, they do it in like kind of the, um, oh, that's another story from another time. <laughs> um, dreaming. So apparently, we don't, uh, scientists still don't understand the function of dreaming, why we dream. And it seems odd as it goes, you know, as it, some people suggest that it's uh, just a byproduct of, um, of the body's brain chemistry changing throughout the night or the process from, or the byproduct of repair. Um, some scientists don't like that explanation because especially take it from an evolutionary perspective that um, evolution or mother nature is very good at conserving calories or getting any getting rid of anything biologically that um, uses too many calories unless there's a massive benefit there has to be a massive massive benefit like um, like having a human brain is very calorie expensive expensive but as well to our advantage because it feeds us enough calories to be able to support such a system. So why something like dreaming, which is calorie expensive, why does it exist? And it's still not really, still not really known from even from what I could research and from what I listened to what other experts have said, they still don't really know. Maybe it's the problem solving you talked about. Well, it's, still it's always related, isn't it? Isn't there a study that basically it is related to something going on in your life most of the time? like. Lots of dreams that correlate to something that's happened that day or something. Yeah, but it's not an explanation why it happens. No, yeah. No. Um, and they said it's so, it's so important for the brain is that there are things such as um, a few apparently some sedatives, alcohol, um, weed, all prevent you from uh, getting uh, uh, REM sleep so you don't dream. You don't dream as much so you end up kind of getting a bit of a backlog of of this a bit this 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 feeling of wanting to dream and apparently it's so strong for the body or desire is so strong for the body that if you're not going to get it while you're asleep it'll wake you up your body will wake yourself wake you up and make you dream awake and hallucinate um or once you've stopped or this is an experience where a lot of um people who who stopped drinking, who like heavy alcohol drink, or who are alcoholics who decided to stop, end up getting very illicit dreams for about a month. So kind of a huge backlog of dreams. So this is why is dreaming so important? Um, is remains a mystery to to science. Um, what else? Sleep that doesn't exist. Yeah, we had a chat about that. He, uh, Doctor. Matthew Walker put put it as that awake is a form of low-level brain damage. Is that 
that aw being awake is a form of low level brain damage. Oh, yes. Well, that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Freud used to do, um, Sigmund Freud used to do um, a technique in his psychoanalysis with his patients called Dream Talk, and he used to analyse people's dreams and he mm. thought it was a way of tapping into unconscious behaviour. He believed a lot of the behaviours people did exempt were due to unconscious motivations and desires that they had no awareness of. So mm. he used to try and tap into that to have an understanding as to why people do what they do. A little interesting tidbit. Um, apparently the only mechanism to prevent us from wanting to sleep in nature is starvation. If you are hungry or underfed, your body will not want to sleep because it'll only get enough sleep for you to recover or what you need to survive and you need to be looking for food. So those you get it a lot with people who die way too hard. Yeah, so those people that eat 200 calories or do something extreme. Do a bit of sleep probably. Yeah, they have um, uninterrupted sleep. Mm. Or have trouble falling asleep. Um, Interesting. Drowsy drivers are worse than uh, is worse than drink driving. There's more more car accidents from being drowsy, and a lot of that's to do with the microphone. I, I used to be bad, in the, and I used to be bad when I had I have sleep apnea, and uh, my sleep apnea have been times been a lot worse, and um, it does get very hard. I've had to pull it over and pull over a lot of times just to get some shut eye because you get these micro sleeps where. Um, you have very small moments of sleeping, um, and it is very dangerous. Well, that you when you're like driving somewhere, and you kind of get there, like fuck, how did I even get here? Like, is that part easier with that, or is that something different again? What's this? You're like driving somewhere. You kind of like, oh wow, I'm here, and you don't remember the whole drive. You've had that experience mm -hmm. before. It's pretty common. Lots of people have. I reckon it could be two things. I reckon it could be one that could it be like, that? yeah, like inability to concentrate. Could also be if you're distracted and you're thinking about something else. It I find that happens with my brain's thinking about something else. Yeah. 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 Autonomy and driving. Mm. Um, apparently, a lot of people claim that they can sleep less than six hours. And um, and it was funny when I listened to this, I listened to this on um, Joe Rogan podcast and he expressed how many people could sleep in less than six hours. Um, as a number of the population that can sleep less than six hours, round it to a whole number and express as a percentage is zero. <laughs> yes. But on, top, on something that maybe, something I thought of when you just mentioned that topic, a few of the people I've been working with, they've always done it a certain way. So, for example, I've always slept five hours, or when I was younger, I used to only get this amount of time, so that's I can function on that. Mm. It's almost like a, a case of they're not they're not even aware of their poor like that. quality, yeah, and what, what <laughs> potentially is what could be improved just because this that's just what they used to. I had someone very similar. So always the seven hours, like it um, didn't seem affected. But then we talked about sleep, and she tried sleep hygiene, sleeping eight plus hours. She was like, "Holy shit! Like I feel so different. I feel yeah. so awake. Yeah. Didn't know there was a problem. Yeah. And there might not have been. She's still functioning fine. But then she felt." all enhanced now, yeah. it's like, whoa. Yeah. Um, it's the same with people with low testosterone. I mean, who are naturally have low testosterone. Um, they are, they get their, uh, I, see, I see a lot of people, they go on testosterone replacement therapy. Um, 
they thought they were always fine and they got onto testosterone replacement therapy it's like holy shit feels like a whole clown's been lifted you know there's, there's no just don't have this brain fog anymore and similar to sleep what you get from people who don't sleep sleep very well yeah um apparently while we sleep we produce um or we constantly produce cancer cells but sleep produces cancer fighting cells so you don't like to sleep we'll have an increase in more likely have an increase in um, risk of cancer. Oh yeah, so there was twenty-four percent increase in heart attacks in daylight to daylight in daylight savings. There's a number there. Alright, um is there anything else you guys want to bring up? It covers a lot. It's a lot for this episode. <laughs> Alright, so next week we will cover um, how to improve your sleep um, with sleep hygiene, how to no, if you have sleep apnea and some treatment, treat, treatment protocols for um, sleep apnea. Um, so stay tuned for next week. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you wish to contact me, please email me, Gus, G-U-S, at muscle nerd dot com dot au